clubhouse. Welcome back to Pod Clubhouse's continuing coverage of the sixth season of NBC's This Is Us. This is for the fifth episode called Heart and Soul. This is Paul. This is Caroline. I really enjoyed this episode. I do too. I was glad to get to touch base with each one of the kids and find out what's going on. And there was some real progress with Rebecca here. True. The progression of, of her illness is finally taking some shape. It's not that she necessarily exhibited some lapse in, in memory that put anybody or herself in any danger, but... But the conversation that she had with Kate, it had to come. It just kind of hurt. It did hurt, but it was important. And I'm glad that they didn't gloss over the small moments because these are the moments of an illness, especially a long-term situation like this. It's degenerating and you're you're dealing with this like, you know, constant paying attention of like, is now is the time? Do we take this step or do we wait or when do we do it? Like this, this is all so confusing. I'm glad that they are pausing and letting us take those moments with the characters. In real life, it is so hard to recognize when those moments come because it's also incremental. You're just living it day by day. It's like that moment when you decide something hurts bad enough to get surgery. It can be very hard to tell. For a moment like Kate and Toby deciding to the decision that, that she can't watch the kids all alone in real life, coming to that decision wouldn't be just like a um, necessarily a, a moment over the phone. It would be kind of a big deal. It would be a very big deal. But before we get into Rebecca and Kate and, and their storyline, let's talk about another very big deal, which is what's going on at Randall and Beth's house. We did a great job calling this, actually, in terms of what was Deja's big response going to be. We thought perhaps she was going to just run away. What did you think about this tact of the two of them sitting down and having this meal with them and actually discussing what they wanted to do? It's a kid's version of what, thinking what grownups would do to approach a serious issue like this. So on the one hand, it reflects a level of maturity, but on the other hand, it reflects like a, a lack of an exposure to how things are actually going to happen. I was having a real flash over to when Theo Huxtable has his speech to Cliff and he says, what if I don't want to be a doctor? What if I don't want to be a lawyer? What if I just want to be a regular person? Can you just love me for who I am? You know, and Cliff gives the, that's, that's the, the stupidest, <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, it reminded me of that where, where kids trying to come off very mature and very thoughtful. And even the studio audience is like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. and then, and then you're like, and then the adults are like, get your head out of your ass. Like that is not the situation. That is not what's happening. And we're not doing this right now. Totally appreciate getting both sides of the parents' perspectives, though. Both are right. Like we've said earlier, both things can be true. The paths that these kids are on are good paths that they should be allowed to pursue. That's Randall's perspective. Beth's perspective is if we step in and try to have a heavy hand with directing this, they're going to react and we're not going to like it. Both things are true. So <laughs> what do we do as parents in this situation? I, you know, I appreciated their game of worst case scenario so much when they were playing back and forth about what could this be about? Could it be pregnancy? Could it be a Las Vegas wedding? Could it be an engagement? In all reality, I mean, those worst case scenarios did seem to be worse, <laughs> right, than, than what it actually was i 
Same neighborhood, though. Deja had a plan to graduate high school and that Harvard did have some sort of program. That's what Malik was trying to act like. It actually reminded me of two other teenagers that would have put forth what they thought to be pretty well thought out plans for a serious attempt to maintain a, a relationship through uh, distance and, and, and time that wasn't on their side. So it, it felt like an honest attempt on their part that doesn't take into account all the other aspects of life that they're not even aware of. Randall's logic that doing this was going to really hamper Deja's path really spoke to my heart. I was really not paying attention to that exactly. I was really paying attention to the whole like, how are they going to be able to live together? And, and how is she going to really be able to deal with being like sort of this almost like stepmom figure, there's going to be like a baby and she's going to have Jennifer and like all this stuff's going to be going on. And how will this work? And I really didn't stop to think like, wait a minute, this derails her so hard. And when Randall pointed out like these two years are going to like set her on her track, it made my heart feel like, yeah, wait a minute. Like I, she doesn't deserve these two years to be taken from her in terms of being able to explore all of her own college options and figure out what she wants to do as a career and, and all of that, you know, like this, this does feel very Malik centric. Like I'm going to go live Malik's dream over in Malikville and, and really discounts all of what Deja wants to do. And frankly, still confusing on what it is Malik is doing. I think he's getting a business degree is what he was after at Harvard, but we know he wants to be a chef. So I don't know if this is like a Wanting, I know he said something about opening a restaurant and that type of thing. So maybe that all drives, but, but ultimately here's the thing. We can't forget. We have this flash forward where we know that she is in residency as a doctor. So we know she is on a positive path. Is that positive path going to come from this scenario? Like, is that what they're going to end up trying to tell us here? It's like, oh, you can still become a doctor even if you go like live with someone at 16, 17 years old. Or does this have to get completely derailed and stopped? That story would push reality for me in a way that I don't buy. Most people can't make that work. Graduating early, I mean, she's been shown to be sharp and bright and and motivated and having gone through things that people her age don't normally go through and so she has grit that people her age don't often necessarily have or people any age necessarily have does that make her the right person to do what you just described leave school early GED. I was like, oh, I don't think you can go to medical school. Right. GED. With the GED and everything. Uh, live in stepmom figure as a teenager and, and then move on to medical school and have some relationship with the parents that said that it wasn't going to work afterwards. That all seems too fantastical to me. In the short term, Randall's direction that Malik has to break up with her in order to preserve both of their lives is the sort of thing that will make her hate him for being right. Are we really overlooking the obvious middle ground to all of this? Just put the brakes on, just be cool <laughs> for a while. <laughs> well, not put the brakes on, but just allow visits. Oh, maybe you think maybe they were, uh, they came in heavy expecting to, to back down. Well, 
I mean, I'm not saying that they had the foresight to do that, but I mean, isn't that the obviously overlooked middle ground? Like, why are we either moving in together, accelerating school, going to, you know, having this gap year, all this stuff, or you have to be broken up? Why can't we be a long distance couple just like they were going to be? They didn't come in with the idea that this is what was going to happen. It only became this when she was told she couldn't be like texting or visiting him. So they went to this extreme, but they could just dial this back to Beth said she was going to make sure that Deja was safe and was on birth control pills and and that they they I mean, they would have to have discussions about safe travel back and forth and what was a reasonable amount for both of them to do schoolwork and stuff. But like, doesn't that seem like a reasonable compromise? Perfectly continue on right so that's why i'm wondering if it's just going to get to where where maybe both beth and randall can be right and deja and malik can even be right that they deserve time together but it's not reasonable to be full time together especially given the fact that he not only has harvard level studies but he also has a baby that he has to be taken care of like it's it's not exactly reasonable and she deserves to finish out her education properly get a diploma, follow her own college path, figure out what she wants to do for a career. Like all those things should be able to happen and she should still be able to be in a relationship. He doesn't live across the country. It's only a couple of hours away. That's where I think this storyline could logically go. Add in the undeniable turn her life would take if she became this stepmom figure as a teenager. Right. Uh, and the level of undoubtable resentment that she would build up by the time she's uh, like a ripe old age of 25 about the life unlived, you know? Yeah. No, you're 100% right. And this is what she was trying to get away from in many ways. This is what being brought into Randall and Beth's life was so that she didn't have to grow up and become, you know, a, a parent or whatever too soon, that she could have a chance to be a kid exactly. and actually go to school and do the things. So There's only so long of, of pretending that stepmom life uh, before you actually become mom mom. Uh, and I think, Jennifer, it would be a whole added insane curveball that I just don't know. Now, you and I talked about in the previous episode that they could simply try this out and it take about a hot second before both of them realized this is a lot harder than we expected. This is not cool or fun. This isn't just like a sleepover party. And I don't want to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's still potential for that to happen. But since they laid out this plan of this accelerated graduation and GED and also like there's some stuff that you can't go back from. If you do the GED route, well, then it's done. You know, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think we can really get to that point. I don't know that we need to get to that point. I thought this was interesting because you brought the whole family together at the table. You had some really funny Randall and Beth interactions. I loved the whole thing when Tess was like, tell me about your dance studio. And the mom was like, what? what, what? It's a tactic. It's a tactic. <laughs> All of that. Such good Beth and Randall. Like that is the stuff that I love anytime we get around them. This was great TV to watch. But I don't think that this scenario needs to play out. You know, I think that there's a lot of logical solutions to making this happen to where we already know she ends up in medical school. We don't need to follow this. I kind of think it's a little red herring-ish. All right. Beth, Randall, just just turn off the jets. There's, there's, there doesn't need to be uh, an ultimatum at this point. 
I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, one of my my favorite parts of the Randall footage this week was his interaction with Kevin. <laughs> when he was doing the play-by-play of Kevin's love life and being like, look at Cassidy coming up from behind. We didn't see her, you know, taking first over the local leaders and like all this stuff. Like, I was, was cracking stuff. Uh, I was like, this is so good. There were so many moments where I felt like the writers were looking at us as the audience and like giving us these hard winks. Like, yeah, we know y'all are all out there putting bets on which woman, like treating this like this crazy horse race. That was good, good stuff. So let's move over to Kevin if you're ready. Absolutely. I know I said it earlier that I wasn't done with Madison, but I'm done with Madison. You are? Yeah. Okay, so when Cassidy said that line, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but when she said that line, you're chasing the wrong blonde in the wrong city. And Kevin said, I don't even know which one you're talking about. I like fell back in my chair because I realized I didn't know which one she meant, but I thought I did. I was like, oh, she means Sophie. And then when he said, I don't know which one you meant, I was like, oh, shit. She could totally mean Madison. Like my brain didn't even do that, that they were like blondes in different cities that he was like, had them all over the place, you know? Yeah. Like I was like, oh God, like who do you think she was even referring to? Madison. Okay. I mean, I'm jumping ahead to the way end of Kevin's story. I know. And I feel like Kevin's story deserves this amount of chaos though, because he feels like a lot of chaos is going on right now. So I'm fine with it. If we talk about it all jumping around. Calling slash texting. Uh, Beardo, I don't remember his name. Oh my God, why can't I remember his name either? Oh, I don't think so he matters. Weird. I think at this point it, it doesn't matter. Beardo, can we just call him Beardo? Let's just call him Beardo and just forget that he has a name. It's like Ezekiel or Isaiah. Yeah, or... that interaction where he's passing off that that little bit of, of, of advice, that felt like closure to me in a way that was like... That's not going to happen for me that I need I need to move on and stop worrying about these two together and and just put it out of my mind. It's not my business anymore. I did have to laugh at the stare down he gave Beardo when they were talking about exchanging phone numbers. And Beardo does that like, like makes this like super dorky noise for the airdrop of the phone number. (laughs) This episode did have some laughs, yeah. That face that he was making was like, I lost this girl to you. Like, I lost this girl to you. Like, oh my God, it it was good stuff. I I appreciate it. You're right, there were laughs. Kevin had a couple. Real live girl. (laughs) (laughs) That That was some good stuff. I appreciated all of that. So then where does that leave us? He did give this kiss off advice of like, if Madison says she doesn't want the food, just get her the food anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, I agree with you. That felt very like, go ahead. Good luck. Proceed with this relationship. Right. What does that mean? Then is he after Sophie? What am I, where are we going? My, my current Kevin radar is still pointing toward Cassidy because she is so complete i guess like she has she has her own little not little i don't mean to diminish it she has her darkness right but she is she set this 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 boundary about their their relationship and that's that is something that kevin will will want to overcome in a way that is different for him difficult for him because he doesn't usually need to overcome that with anybody it's always so automatic that women are like very interested in him and Cassidy's just not. Well, her line of I'm too messed up, just leave me in peace, that he is just like a wrecking ball that comes into people's lives and, and turns it all upside down. 
I actually had a lot of pity sounds too ugly, but like compassion for her where she can see this Tasmanian devil of a man coming at her. And yeah, he's interested in her, but at the same time, she just knows everything's going to be upended, you know, if I get involved with you. So I don't, I don't even know if I want that for Cassidy's sake, you know, like she's literally saying, please, I am at my wit's end. I am sitting here struggling, just cleaning up my kids' toys. I'm like crying to myself. The last thing I need is for you to come in here with your emotional whirlwind and and knock me around for a while. Like, I can't handle it. Like, leave me alone. Do you see this as like a slow burn as he's asked her to now be part of like this contractor for the house? I do. In order for this relationship, if this is the one, to be the one, it needs to be 100% different than Kevin has ever done in terms of the big um, grand gesture stuff or Prince Charming kind of role that he has fulfill. That is not where Cassidy needs a partner, you know, in those, in those parts of her life. She and he, in order to earn it from her, can't be those things. You know, it's very different for him, but that would make it all the better once once they once they do agree that they have something together because they cinematically showed us that there is something there like they when they were sitting at the table how close they sat and familiarly they sat even though they have this semi-strained relationship at times you know in terms of the footing that they're on with each other I agree with you that it seems like they can't quite figure out exactly what they are. Like the whole, we can have sex, but we can't hold hands kind of portion of it all seems like that's a very specific zone you're in. I was laughing. I I appreciate the show because they do talk so openly in the way that real people talk. When she said, I'll pack differently and groom differently if we're going to have sex, I like cracked up. I was like, that is such a real comment. Oh, I agree. Um, I mean, I, I didn't catch the groom uh, portion, but I've, I've become a little more uh, leery of commenting specifically on good writing, bad writing, etc. As we've as we've matured as podcasters, but I would say they've more jokes in this one. I don't know if it was because last week was one hundred percent sad that they needed to lighten up this week, but this week seems extra light. Not that there's not serious issues in this episode, because there there are. I just thought that it was real talk. That is actually something you would consider. I mean, for guys and girls, you'd be like, well, I want to know if I should like shower right before I see you or or whatever, you know, if that's what we're planning on doing. I think it was real. Maybe it's because right now on my Facebook feed, it's all women talking about grooming for Valentine's Day. There's all this like pre-planning that goes on if you know you're going to be physical with somebody. Again, going back to why she might be great for Kevin in the pantheon of Kevin conquests is (laughs) that that is not the kind of 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 stuff you say to this this movie star that you're trying to impress. Right. A lot of the women that Kevin meets would fit into that category. Right. A hundred percent. I thought about that when she was standing in the kitchen and she had on just like a flannel T-shirt. Like her hair was pretty drab and her makeup was nothing at all. And I was thinking back to the episode or two ago when they showed us the flashback of him dancing with like the models and stuff. And even with Madison, they make her a lot more zhuzhed up, you know, just her day to day. She's she's got a full face of makeup and pretty hair and all this stuff. Cassidy looked like she just woke up like she looked like she had no interest in putting on airs with him whatsoever. I mean, she's wearing like brown pants. That impresses no one. (laughs) 
the whole ensemble was she was she had on that like cardigan that was like do not look at me i don't feel good (laughs) (laughs) that that truly like when they came out of the ice cream place that's really i was like oh boy she really and and here's the thing we're not making fun of cassidy or the costuming or the choices or anything what we're saying is that she has no motivation to impress him she is not going out of her way to put on airs or in any way be anything other than just like this is how i'm feeling and i'm feeling pretty crummy right now and just fucking deal like you asked me to come here and so i'm here and i'm enjoying time with you and nikki and catching up but i'm not i'm not going to do this like i'm not going to put on a big show and for that i agree with you that she is a real foil for kevin (laughs) you know in terms of having these people put on a show for him did you like meeting edie i loved meeting edie talk about put on a show right at dinner they were adorable when Nikki kept eating off her plate and like horsing around with her. I was like, oh my God, he is such a hilarious, rude, grumpy old man stereotype, I guess. The jokes and the, again, eating off her plate and her finally being like, get off my food and, and all that, like the whole thing. Like, how, what's your feel on the fact that Edie's been married so many times? I have a an evolving opinion, I guess, of that, of in terms of, of my own life experiences advancing into quasi middle age or whatever age you call 44 just meeting people along the way and (laughs) sustaining happiness and what that means in terms of relationships etc and so multiple marriages and she's a but she's not robbing banks and she has her has a job and she supports herself and i'm fine it's cool it was fun that they added the fact that Nikki hadn't been married at all. So between the two of them, they had like a typical average. <laughs> right. Like that was cute. And and like a just sort of like you said, just sort of like, you know, you have perspective on life when you're a little bit older and experienced and you understand like this is, you know, whatever judgments you had as a young person, throw them out the window. You know, people, Pretty much. relationships yeah. work for different reasons and you just kind of deal with it. I mean, obviously we see her coming later in the future. We know from the wedding flash forward that he says I need to bring these get these to the wife so we know they get married and we've seen the the wedding ring on his hand for a few seasons now we know that Edie comes to be with Rebecca so I mean do we feel comfortable like we are seeing the whole package here we feel like we've seen it all for the two of them yeah it's safe to say they eventually consummate as Kevin asks oh my god with a real live woman <laughs> live woman that was, <laughs> that was such was a so funny. funny conversation oh god and when he gets in his face like don't say it so loud like, all of that like oh the nervousness of, of new love like that is adorable and Kevin is so in love with the idea of being in love. It's hard to know what he's going to do next. You know, it seemed like outside that ice cream shop, after having watched Edie and Nikki, you know, be this like young lovers in love kind of stuff. I mean, he seemed ready to propose to Cassidy like right then. My little bro heart was like, what are you doing? When he reached out for her (laughs) hand, you know, Why was he mocking the bubblegum ice cream choice? I don't know why you're teasing on that. I love bubblegum ice cream. Well, because that's what you do when you like a girl. You you, you tease little uh, little things that don't matter like that. Yeah. <laughs> but the hand-holding... It did seem very off, didn't it? She was crying on Pokemon a, a second ago. Just And she's just eating her ice cream and her don't bother me cardigan. She's clearly... She's here 
because she needs a diversion, not the moves. <laughs> and wanted to to catch up with with Nikki and and I think with Kevin. I, we're going to hit them back in the predictions section, I think, in, in where we think that's going. Is that fair? That's fair. Talking about young love, young budding love, getting some backstory. Let's move over to Rebecca and Miguel. Oh, well, their their love is still years off. And the, the topic of the day, though, is... Is Rebecca and her life with teen or late teen Kate, is it time to start dating yet? And all of that stuff with the speed dating and all that made me think, no, no, she's not quite ready yet. What did you think after watching all that? Definitely during the speed dating, you know, and and actually doing that whole thing, it didn't feel like she was ready. But I don't know. After the coffee with Matt, she seemed okay. If you remember, and this was a long time ago, they showed it in the like, remember from previous weeks clips. When Matt asked her out in the hardware store, she like cried after that. So she was like not ready then. But she was laughing. She made a really cute little smile after going out with coffee to coffee with him. No, I actually thought she was ready for some just coffee dates, not anything serious. Okay. Companionship level type stuff where she's not just staring at coworkers and and scowling teenage Kate. Yes. Teenage Kate had that scowl down pat, man. That was the scowliest scowl I have seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. It was wicked. We haven't seen teenage Kate at this level in a while, right? I mean, they they really spread this out Mm -hmm. to where this level anger and the whole dad's dead and all it was it was a little whiplashy for me because we have been having this nice relationship between Kate and Rebecca for a while here that to revisit it it was like holy crap it was a little like revisiting Jack's past where it was like holy crap remember where he <laughs> came from or like next week they'll show us drunk Jack again and we'll be like <laughs> exactly oh, exactly done. Exactly, exactly. Or we thought we understood and we and we got past that. Yeah, I mean, and this was a huge one. I mean, Rebecca slapping Kate, I jumped back. I went like, oh my God, like this was big. This reminded us the pinnacle of things being really, really rough. We haven't ever seen that part where Kate decides to leave and go out to California with Kevin. True, true. Where she becomes the waitress and all that. I don't know if they're going to fill in that backstory, but it seems like getting slapped and having arguments with your mom at this level seems like we're getting close to that second moment there, right? Needing distance, yeah. And that it's time for everyone to move on. Right. Right? Like, even if it could be a nice thing and say, well, mom's ready to move on and she's going to start dating I know I didn't end up going to college and all this stuff, but maybe I need to be starting to make steps towards my future. We could take it in a positive way, not like she's running away. But in the connect the dots world of where we're trying to be like, okay, we know there's a time when she's a waitress in a diner looking setting and she's out in California and she's working with Kevin. How do we get from where we are here, where it's just the two of them and Rebecca's going to start to date? How are we getting to that next step? I don't know. Do you think they're going to show us that step? Do we need that step? Is that where is that why we went back to this particular second in time? I think they probably will show us that, although at this stage we don't need it. Like you're pointing out with with uh, Nikki and Edie. Okay, now we know that they're dating and we know that they eventually get married. Are we going to need to see much courtship along the way? Nope. Not at this point, but but we still are getting a little of that. Um, okay. and, and, you know, that's providing some some cute moments, which may be necessary to to keep the tone of the show even 
you know, in terms of the, the heavy stuff that might still come. But this would be this would be heavy stuff, right? This would be, Mom, I can't stand you anymore. I got to go or some something. I'm twisting that and saying, what if it's not, I can't stand you, I got to go? Because she was standing in the hallway. She seemed actually touched by Rebecca's admission to, to Miguel that, like, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm so upset and all this. Like, she seemed like she absorbed that, like she was actually feeling it. So is it possible that, is there an, as a, a positive way for her to leave to say, it is time for you to move on. I am okay with you dating. It's time for me to move on. I don't think I should just stay here, you know, in limbo either. I think I'm going to make this move and go out and be with Kevin and, and try, try to start a career. Or Rebecca may toss her out of the nest. Oh, geez. I don't see that happening. You really see that happening? Well, not toss her, but be like, incept the idea that staying there is is go is not going anywhere for her. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. So, I mean, so a lot happening there. I enjoyed the little flashbacks that, that are going to lead us more into the present day Kate story of her learning piano, specifically heart and soul on the piano with Rebecca. That was adorable seeing Jack do the little video camera. So, so cute. What did you think of all of the little flashes that we have throughout the years? We have baby Kate learning. We have teenage Kate head on shoulder. We've got adult mom Kate with baby Jack on lap. What did you think of this use of heart and soul throughout these timelines? I thought it stitched it together really well. Heart and soul is is the one song on the piano that even if you don't know the piano, you can probably learn it. And the key with that song is that to play the whole thing, you got to have a duet. So you got to have a partner. It's often, especially when you're a kid, it's it's that grown up that showed you how to play both parts. The having it be uh, Rebecca in this case is very super meaningful. She's carried the tradition of music through their through their family you know the um she didn't achieve what she wanted to and and kate never got where she wanted to but it it manifests in adult baby jack um finally i i loved seeing all that all that montage stuck together in that way it meant a lot to me it was beautiful on the actual setup of each shot. At the end, I actually rewound it several times to see them with the little one learning and then the teenage Kate and then the adult Kate, you know, leaning on her mom and, and all of that. Like it was it was beautiful visual of their relationship, of their duet, if you will, of, of everything that they've done. And then you're right. I, you know, I don't even know that I put it a thousand percent together, the progression of baby Jack ultimately being the professional that both women before him wanted to become the heart and soul that, that Rebecca put into Kate and then Kate puts into Jack. And then they all, you know, play together there, you know, ultimately results in Jack being a professional musician, just like the women before him wanted to become. So, I mean, it is a beautiful ending to that storyline of the dreamer wanting to become a musician professionally it actually comes to fruition with Jack. I hope that a lot of viewers take that to heart. I know that it, I think it's easy to take it on face value to be like, oh, how cute. You know, she taught Kate how to play piano and now she's teaching her grandson to play piano. Like that's really cute. But if you look at it at like that bigger, bigger, bigger picture, you're so right. Like this was a long time coming generationally to finally get where this goal 
is finally, you know, succeeding here. You know, bringing it back to the conversation we started to have at the start of the podcast about this big, we've got to tell her, I thought she was going to say we're moving to go be by Toby or something like that. I know that sounds crazy because I know that doesn't make sense with anything else, but I knew there was going to be something that was going to be heartbreaking. Did you expect what the, we got to tell her to be that she couldn't watch the kids anymore? You know, after seeing it, it makes perfect sense. I didn't see it coming because I would have expected there to be some memory lapse or something that would have preceded it, but it's perfectly reasonable that if you are party to someone with Alzheimer's and and you're part of their care such that you're at the level of seeing these scans that they get, it's okay that you would reach a point where you're like, you know, this scan now reaches this point where um, I can't leave my kids with the person whose who scan this is anymore. It's, it's a safety thing. Caroline and I have children with special needs, and we often have this reflective conversation where we're trying to decide whether or not we can do this, quote unquote, say, normal thing where we leave our kids unsupervised or with marginal supervision or something like that. For like very short little jaunts, just to be clear to our listeners, like where we're trying to give them a little bit more freedom and independence. And, and it's and it's hard. Our kids are older now, so we don't want anyone to think we're leaving them alone, alone. But you're right with like marginal supervision where it's like a teenager or somebody is maybe just watching out for them versus like like a full adult. And we ask ourselves, sort of sort of like how Beth and Randall have the worst case scenario game, totally on our own, we came up with the, well, what would a jury of our peers say if, if, if something... <laughs> if something went wrong. Something went are, are wrong. Are we being neglectful here right. or is it okay to try? And we went on trial for whatever it was. Would they whatever say... Whatever accident happens. Yeah. Would they say that we had been neglectful in this decision making? If the answer is yes, then we reconsider what we're doing. Similarly, if you were Kate and Toby and something went wrong, Rebecca forgot where she was. She left um, a stove on. She went walking and forgot where she was. What if she had the babies and they went for a walk and then got lost? All of those things. And then the police come and they say okay, what's the deal? Oh, well, mom has a degenerative memory issue. And you left your kids alone with them. And you left your kids alone with her. Huh. Okay, This we're going to have to look into this. Where does that leave you? And if you're Kate and Toby, where do you call it? They called it now. I thought there was going to be this in-between. It's kind of like the Randall Beth thing, where there was like one extreme to another, like you can't watch the kids alone anymore, or, or you can. I thought there was going to be the in-between, which is, with two kids and with everything going on, it would be best if you and Miguel watch the kids when you guys do this, like not just not just one of you, but both of you together, mm-hmm. because it's a handful. And may, then maybe ultimately there'd be some pushback or something and it'd be like, OK, no, for real, it's that you can't be alone. 
they went right for it and were just like, you can't. It was important to me that they came back around and they sat with Rebecca and she was so honest. And she said, this is just really hard for me. I've had conversations like this with my grandma where, you know, like when she stopped driving, that was a milestone moment that like you were saying, when do you know when, you know, like you don't want to get to the point of there being an accident to make that call. And so it's fair to be like, how do you make this call? And I, and now with, with Rebecca, it's like, to see her having to accept this, but trying to be gracious about it, trying to be like, I know you're just trying to be safe. This is the logical steps that need to be taken. No, nobody would want to be on the receiving end of that kind of conversation. Nobody does to be told right. what you thought you were on review. Uh, it, it's less than that. I'm sorry. Or it's different than that. No one. I don't. But we all will at, at, at some point. And this is just Rebecca's turn. This is this is the the point of this show. The this is usness of it, right? The showing us that we're all going through some aspect of this story at some point. And that you will go through this aspect, whether you have to tell someone it's, you know, you've reached the point where you can no longer safely do this. So you have to stop doing it in this way independently. You have to have some sort of modification here. Having her come to the school was a good modification. You know, that worked out. You can watch the kiddo and and come to school and, and all that. Like, that was okay. That'll work sometimes, actually guest musician day was like a cute idea but you can't do that all the time no you know that isn't reasonable so i mean heavy heart you know big exhale on the these declining steps of rebecca and i didn't know how much they'd show us the decline and to have it at the same time as her having that really joyful smile after her coffee date with matt oof it's a lot. It's a lot. So they're doing everything they can to drive home how much we were supposed to love Rebecca <laughs> the whole time. So with episodes right. like this, where she's joyfully playing uh, Lord on the piano and and uh, making the the kids at the school smile and and sing yeah. and, and all that. Yeah, they're turning the screws on us. <laughs> They certainly know how to make us all emotional. You know, one of the things that I wanted to mention as a footnote from last week's episode is I was really feeling very emotional about Jack's storyline to the point where I think that both of us overlooked what a lot of our audience members are asking is, where was Nikki in last week's episode? I don't know that we have any answers to that. I know that there's a lot of questions about it, so I didn't want it to be like completely overlooked. I, I was like kind of laughing to Paul that I was like, man, I was having such a hard time getting through that episode that... I really didn't even pay attention that he didn't call Nikki to say the mom died or, you know, he called his dad, but he didn't even call Nikki to say anything. I'm going to have to mull on that, to be honest, about what went on there exactly. A lot of people had, you know, well, he already wrote off Nikki. Well, he already told his parents Nikki was dead. Am I OK with the fact that Jack didn't let her know and that didn't give him a chance to come to the funeral? I don't know. I don't know if I am. Do you have any thoughts on that? That story was about Jack and his mom. That's it. I, I can't defend it any more or less than that. I didn't write it. I don't have any more insight into it other than everything that they showed us was about Jack and his feelings towards his mom. They didn't include Nikki. I think that's fair. And I, and I think for those of you who are mulling it over or trying to figure out like where exactly should that have fit in, I think that's completely okay because it's a story that doesn't neatly fit in a box and there's going to be weird moments like that where, yes, I I think the, main, the reason why I want to hit it so much and talk about this is because people seem to have made it 
like where now they hate Jack where now they think he's like a bad person because he didn't include Nikki. And a lot of that has to do with how much Nikki, grown adult Nikki, has been injected into the story over this last season and a little bit before this so that we are like in love with him and we're watching him fall in love with Edie and all this stuff that when you go back and have this just like bottled episode of Jack and his mom, it feels like, hey, where's Nikki? <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And so you, you feel like you, like he kind of betrayed Nikki in, in that story. And I agree with you, like that story was supposed to be us focusing on Jack and his mom and how you know, that went. So yes, Nikki was not a part of that story and how that affects my feelings for Jack TBA, right? Like, I don't know if it affects how I feel about him or not. That was such a, such a complicated story. Well, and in the story of Jack, he had cut himself off from Nikki a long time ago in the chronology of his bio. At this point, 10 years. People's argument to that is, but he had also cut off from his dad. So why call dad and not call Nikki? Dad had no right to know anything about what happened with mom and, and certainly not be a part of her funeral. But did Nikki have the right to say goodbye to his mom at her funeral? Uh, this, I believe the story they wanted to tell had the story of the uh, of Stanley's abuse and the trauma that he had had on Marilyn and that element of telling him and then the uh, will he won't he show up aspect and how much that affected Jack even during the the ceremony itself all of that stitched together whereas including Nikki and and extras like that didn't it just wasn't the story they wanted to tell I agree with you. And I think I can be settled about that. But I, it was a little footnote I wanted to add because there was so much conversation about it after the fact. And I realized that in my own blinders up, just thinking about, you know, the relationship between Stanley and, and Marilyn and everything that was going on with Jack, I really ignored the fact that Nikki hadn't been there. Did it hit you at all while we, while we had been talking about it? No. Which, again, I mean, that's a huge commentary on Stanley's impact, right? Neither of us thought of Nikki. Yeah. Well, I was I was pulled into the the story the way that they were telling it, and for better for worse, I have been able to identify with that aspect of Jack's personality, where he, like he said in his eulogy, he built a new house where, and his new house doesn't include Nikki. Mm, that makes sense. Is that shitty? Maybe, yes, possibly, probably, but it is. It is. It is his house. His house is Rebecca. His mom visited it once. And that's the way he's he's living his life. And for the most part, he's he's done a very good job with his kids. His kids have grown up. They we've seen how they turn out. It's it's, it's okay. What he did was okay. But what he chose to do was not acknowledge at Nikki. So was he perfect? No. But that's that's the story. That's the story. That's, that's what they wanted to tell. So very interesting. Um, any predictions for next week or anything you want to see? I mean, we're we're getting closer and closer to the end. I want to see uh, Kevin cool his jets with with Cassidy, but learn what it is that she would be interested in because I'd I'd like to see something happen there. Um, I'd like to see, like you said, Randall and Beth turn the flames down on that situation because, like you said, there's not only two options here. There's not nuclear 
<laughs> strikes only possibilities. There's 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 a nice middle ground where we just cool out. Uh, we didn't see much advance on the storyline with the Toby and Kate business, except for Toby staying away. So I bet we see something happen there where we get a more positive indication about what is breaking them up other than just the distance. Watching him come off that yacht when she was like standing in and trying to talk to him on the phone, my heart, like it, there was something about that visual of him walking up off the yacht that was like, God, could they be in two different worlds more, you know, living two different lives in such a crazy way. I like, I was just struck by that. It feels like we're getting to that green egg incident sooner than later. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to, because I, I need to understand how Philip becomes her love. I need to understand where that storyline is going to come from. I feel like we're probably going to have a little time with explaining exactly Miguel and Rebecca's story a little bit more. I can see delving into that a little bit more. We watch Miguel have that, you know, far off look, but at the same time, they were way more friends than I really realized. He wasn't putting the moves on her. No, no, that wasn't a false flag operation on his part. He was there as a pal and because he wanted her to feel better. And that was it. I mean, he did stare at Matt for a long time, though. Let's not be silly. Fair, fair. That, <laughs> But that could have been just a you, you better have her best intentions at heart, pal, kind of thing. That's very true. Very true. Well, is there anybody else that we need to see something specific from? I mean, I was giggling to myself that we got a little Annie Knock Knock joke laugh there. I mean, we have plenty of episodes left for a little bit more to happen with, say, Randall's kids or some other, you know, secondary characters. But I hope we don't get too down in the weeds with it. I don't, you know, I know it's just because of my own background and loving like houses and stuff like that. I really like want to watch the building of the house. I really hope that they show us things that they decide to build for Rebecca. Like I, I'm very curious about that, especially because Jack had his own plans for it that I would love to see that because I think it's that same what Rebecca wanted, what Kate wanted, what actually came true with Jack. I want to see what Jack wanted in that house, what Kevin interprets that as and like how this house actually turns out. I actually want to watch some of that process. So I, I hope we get to I hope we get to see those plans again. If Cassidy agrees to um, foreman the job and Kevin decides to pursue Cassidy, then they would uh, have a good reason to be hanging around the house more, right? Camera-wise. Oh, those writers are so clever with this. <laughs> They're going to have everybody in just the right spot to fall in love. Love it. Well, this is Caroline. And this is Paul. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast or all of our Pod Clubhouse podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts. A high rating helps other people find the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open and we'd love to hear from you.